Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Turn the lights on, didn't they? So you know you're always in trouble whenever you look up and Ginger's not here, Angel's not here, Jessica's not here, Serena's not here, Kristen Uphall's not here. Paul is here, but he's leaving Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? No, it's Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Your 20th trip to Africa, are you packed? You're not? <laughs> Look at Jordan back there. She's like, no, he, he don't pack. <laughs> so he's saying he's has, he has a whole wardrobe over there for those of you that are on Facebook and all. So this will be your 20th trip. You're leaving out on Tuesday. Is that right? Amen. Amen. Where are you going? Back to Botswana? The what? The Kalahari Desert? Oh, so Paul's going to be sleeping in the desert. That's why Greg don't go. <laughs> I like a bed. Room service, please. That's kind of my, that's my speed. My speed is room service for sure. Yeah, so let's all just stretch our hands to Paul, huh? He's been doing it for a million years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But you can, we can always, whenever someone's sent out, you know, there's an anointing that's attached and there's an anointing that is there. And he's going, he's going to do the work of the Lord and always needs our support and prayer, no matter how many times he's been. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We come to you in the name of Jesus. This trip is like the first trip, Father. It has newness of life, newness of spirit, newness of anointing. We thank you, Father, that by the hands and feet that are being sent, that the miracles, signs, and wonders will follow the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you will confirm your word. As Paul steps onto this soil, you will confirm your word, Father. That as he steps, you step. As he speaks, you speak. As he touches, you touch, Father. We thank you, Lord, that he is protected in the name of Jesus. The angels of God, we command you now to accompany, defend, preserve him, and keep him safe. A thousand may fall at his side and 10,000 at his right hand, and it shall not come near him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this op awesome opportunity that all of us get to participate in. We thank you, Father, for all of the blessings that will flow. And we thank you, Father, more importantly, for all of the souls, the spirits, and the bodies that will be healed by the hand of God as Paul goes forward. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Number 20. Well, you're going you're gonna to sleep good on that desert floor, I'm just telling you. You're going to sleep good. JoJo is also here today. Did y'all see JoJo? JoJo. Whoa, yeah. He's a college boy now. I don't think he ever goes to class, but he's a college boy. He's enrolled. <laughs> so uh, Paul told me... Um, 
Thursday, I think it was Thursday, Paul Gray, back here, uh, told me Thursday uh, that, that I would be ministering, I'm scheduled to minister Friday night at, at a Teen Challenge thing, a group, small group of us went. And he said, man, while you're, while you're ministering about halfway through, you know, you're going you're gonna to hear something for Sunday morning and you're going to take care of Sunday morning. I think that's what you said, something of that nature. And I'll just, I'll just be honest, the first thing that happens whenever you hear something like that from a minister of the caliber and the grade of Paul Gray, you just kind of sit there and you go, wow, the pressure's on now. I hope I do hear something. And so I'm in the middle of my preaching Friday night, and I'm like, Lord, I ain't heard jack nothing. If you don't hurry up and tell me something, I'm going to be really, I'm going to look silly Sunday morning. But about, it wasn't quite halfway, Paul. It was just a little bit past. I'd say about 65 cents into the message. It hit me. And it's extremely simple. Um, it's foundational in nature of what it's talking about. But it is, we, our church's uh, slogan, motto, the core of what we are says to do something. Y'all know this, right? We believe that people ought to do something. If you're a Christian, you're born again, get up and go do something. But yet, over and over and over again, we find ourselves not necessarily fulfilling the fullness of that. And the question is, why not? And not only us, but, but the, the church as a whole. Why is the church as a whole just sitting back and not doing something about what's going on? Why does the church find itself sleeping more often than moving? You know, the church has been called for years a sleeping giant, like the church in the body of Christ. We've been called a sleeping giant for years. And, and when I say years, I've been, I've been born, I, was, I was born again in 1987, but didn't do nothing with it until 1998. It was March of 1987 when I was born again and baptized at the First Baptist Church, in Louisiana, back that way. Wait, where am I? Back this way. And I was baptized in the church in 1987, but then 1998 is whenever I actually started to do something with my salvation. Since that time to now, I've been hearing that the church is a sleeping giant. 1998 was a minute ago, y'all. That was 25 years ago, if my math is right. 34, thank you. Sorry. 98. Okay, I thought so. I thought it was 25. Are y'all listening to me? For 25 years, this little boy from Menden, Louisiana has been hearing that the church is a sleeping giant and yet the church is not woken up. Why not? And it hit me. This all hit me Friday night. I'm at the, I'm at the Teen Challenge thing and I'm doing my deal. And this all hits me. You know, God's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of cool. He can talk to you while you're talking. And you can hear him clear as a bell while you're saying something else to somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Why isn't the church moving? Why? Why is it still a sleeping giant? And the answer is simple. We have no idea who we are. We have no idea who we are, what we've been given, and the expectation on us. None at all. 
It's been preached for years, and I'm not getting on preachers. I don't, I don't necessarily want to get on them, but I will say this, that the church has been preaching for years that you just don't need to sin no more. Don't. And it's been preaching that for years. And since we've been doing that for years, it's brought on this consciousness of being not good enough, not worthy, not prepared, and I'm not straight. I don't have my life straight enough to do anything for God right now, so I'm not going to do anything right now. I'm not going to do nothing. And I'm not, I'm not bashing the church. I'm not bashing pastors, but it's that, it's that thought process. It's that teaching that has led us to where we are today. We are here today, a church that is still a sleeping giant. And just for the short time that I've given my life to God and living my life for God, the church has been asleep for that short time, that 25 years is still sleeping. Too busy thinking about what we have done wrong. The enemy has worn us out with the remembrance of what we did wrong. The enemy has worn us out with the remembrance of what we did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five minutes ago. This consciousness of sin has kept the church from moving forward and I'm blaming the teaching on up until now. Because it's easier, it's easier to control a man with sin than it is to give them freedom. It's easier to put a rule, to put a don't do this, than it is to say go and do the right thing. Are y'all with me? It's easier to do that. It's real easy. If you come and you sit up here at this pulpit and you, you begin to pastor a church and pastor a group, it's real easy just to say, hey, look, just don't do that. Don't, don't. I tell you what, every la- don't, don't you sin. If you do, we're going ha- to have a problem. That's easy. That's an easy sermon to do. It's an easy sermon to write. It's an easy sermon to deliver. You ain't good enough. Go do better. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Is this making sense? So what happens is, is that we find ourselves every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every time, whatever church time you meet, we find ourselves in this state of not being worthy enough, so therefore we walk in with guilt, and we have guilt guilt during the time that we're supposed to be equipped to go do ministry. We're too busy feeling guilty about what we've done instead of being equipped to go do what we're supposed to do. We can't even pay good attention to the messages that are being brought because we're so caught up in this sin mentality and this thought process that we're not good enough because we have no idea who we are. And so therefore, therefore, we ask for salvations and and I will be honest, there's not an awful lot of altar call for salvation here. There's not. We do, but we don't make, we don't make this, because this, I'm not here to help you clear up your guilt. That's not what I'm here to do. I am here to equip you for tomorrow. If you need to get saved, let's do business and get it done. But don't come up here every Sunday 
over and over and over again going through a transaction that you've already made with the Lord that you clearly don't understand. Is this making sense? This happens every Sunday, every Wednesday, constantly. It's happening right now, right now, all over the world. The church is wanting to get clean, and the church does not understand that it is already clean. You've already been made whole. You've been made are in right standing with God today. Sorry, package it, put it up, put a bow on it, stick it on the shelf. It is done. He said it when he hung on the cross. He said it's finished. Not only did he do his, his, the ministry of Jesus, his ministry was, was, he did the whole entire bit right then. He finished everything that we were required to do. Everything that the church was required to do, he finished. He fulfilled the law. Not just the 10, but the 120 that were added later on by the Levitical priesthood. He fulfilled the for us. Amen. Every bit of it. And the church as a whole, I'm not picking on us, but we're included in it. The church as a whole, we're so set on wanting to produce our own righteousness and right standing with God and our own justification with God, we won't accept the justification that was given 2,000 years ago, so we don't have to worry about it. You're never, I'm never, I'm not going to talk about you, I'm talking about me, I'm never going to be good enough. I can't preach enough. I can't get enough people saved. I cannot not, I cannot sin enough to, it's just, I can't. You know, I mean, I can't even fulfill all 10 commandments every day. Now I ain't out there killing nobody, but some of them just, you know, covetousness. Man, I like that car. Boom, there it goes. Well, I'm going to go to hell. Y'all with me? Let's go to uh, Charles, uh, do Romans chapter 10, verse 1, 2, and 3 for me real quick. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Okay, this is, this is Paul talking to the Romans, okay? And he's talking about Israel, who were caught up in the legality of what their relationship was with God. Paul's existence in the, 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 the word of God and the plan of God was to reveal the, that the legality of your relationship with God had been dealt with through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Is this making sense? So the law was fulfilled in him. So Israel is still trying to walk through and work through the law. And it still is today. The church is still trying to work its way through the law. It's amazing. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God 
for Israel is that they may be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Whose righteousness, which by the way, I'm going to define the word righteousness, okay? Righteousness, take the first syllable in there. What is the first syllable? Right. That's what it means. Right. Are you, are we, is the church today still doing, let's leave that one up, Charles. Still doing what Paul was talking to the church in, in Rome about. They're seeking to establish their own rightness. Instead, not having not submitted to the righteousness or the rightness of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. They are, they were, back then, they were attempting to fulfill their own rightness with God instead of receiving his rightness that had already been given to him. Look at this. For he made him, talking about Jesus, the first he is God, the second one, and then him is Jesus. So for he, talking about God, made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The way this thing works is, is that our sin, that Jesus became sin through our sin. And he, when he walked on the earth. So what happened was in the transaction is every sin that we made to be put on him, he became that sin. All of it. Y'all remember a guy, he was, uh, he was the first human ever made. Y'all remember his name? Adam. Adam. They call Jesus in Romans chapter 5. We ain't going to go there because we ain't got time. They call Jesus in Romans chapter 5 the second Adam. You want to know why? Because Adam screwed up the first time around. And so Jesus came in and made it straight the second time around, second Adam, to fulfill and to put back straight God's relationship with man. To do that, Jesus had to take on the fullness of your sin. Your sin. God made him to be your sin. Not just the sin of the world, not just sin as far as, far as the, the, the concept or the, the category of sin. No, your sin, yours. What you have done and what you could potentially do. All of it. And he made Jesus become that. So that. So that God's perfect rightness and Jesus' perfect rightness can be on you. You are in right standing with God today. You have been made righteous with God today because Jesus was right. And so God took Jesus' rightness and put it on you. You are now righteous through him. 
He was sin through you. You are righteous through Him. Everything that He fulfilled in the law to make God's plan work out has now been put on you. And now, another way to define righteousness is justified or justification. If you read your Bible, depending on the version that you have, because we've got 50 million types of Bible versions out there. But if you take a look, you'll find two words in there on a common basis in any kind of English-based one, and it's righteous and justified. And both of them, when you go through your Bible, begin to take a look at what it's talking about, it will say that that person that is justified has a particular benefit. It, righteous has a particular benefit. That this good thing will happen to someone that's justified. This good thing will happen to someone who's righteous. These good things are made for those who are justified. These good things are made for those who are righteous. When you read that, since Jesus did what he did, and if you've accepted that transaction, you can now say that all of those things that are in the Bible are yours. What are we waiting on, church? Why do we with this sin mentality? Why do we come in here with this concept of unworthiness whenever Jesus, who in that Jesus was worthy. Is he worthy? Is he right? All of that worthiness, all of that rightness, was he perfect? No, 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 no. Y'all lost me. Was he perfect? All of that perfection has now been put on you. You. Not just the church as a whole, but you. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in him. What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? Well, Greg, I just messed up. I know you did. And so does he. We all know it. Everybody knows it. Who in here has never made a mistake? Who in here has never sinned? Raise your hand. Come up here. Preach. The church is yours now. In fact, the entirety of the body of Christ belongs to you because you have got yourself together. There is, there is this mentality of sin, this sin consciousness that we have got to get out of our, we've got to get out of the way. I'm not saying that, there's a, that you should just go and just do whatever you want to do. That's, that's silly. That means you have no fear of God, so that means that I'm going to start questioning your salvation because the fear of God is to have such a respect for him that you don't want to do anything to disappoint him. So if you really, truly fear God, you don't want to do nothing to disappoint him anyway. And if we do, go to 1 John 1, 9 there, Charles, thank you. And if we do, we got a way out. Let's do 8 and 9, Charles. Y'all liking this? Just kind of spitballing it a little bit. Ain't it fun? 
He got us there. You got us there, Charles? Uh, 1 John 1, 1, 8 and 9. First chapter. Hey, people on Facebook. Y'all, right here, everybody turn around, wave. Up, Paul, wave. That way, that way. There you go. Here we go. And if we sin, what are we doing? You're deceiving yourself. You think you got it together? <laughs> if you think I got it together, if you think Paul Gray's got it together, you might be right. You might be right. He might, he might have it together. He might have it together. Uh, he's pretty close. Are y'all smelling when I'm stepping in here? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't act like it, you know, just act like however you want to act. It's not what I'm saying. And the truth is not in us. Go to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. you're having some pr trouble with something in your life that you just can't really seem to shake off and get rid of and you're working on attempting to get out of that thing and yet we still kind of go back to it like a dog does to its own vomit if we do I just I'm just I'm just throwing that at you just letting you know just return to it like a dog does to his own vomit if we keep going back to it okay you realize you got a problem, all right? You realize that, hey, you know what? For me to even act like I don't have any sin, that means I'm de de deceiving myself. However, if I confess this thing, he's faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness and forgive me. Okay, doesn't that sound like a good option? Yeah. I mean, seriously, y'all, I'm not being silly here. That's a great option to have. It's like, it's like a reset button. Did anybody play Atari 2600? Yeah, we got some Atari fans. Nintendo, NES, Super NES, right? I don't know if the new ones still have a reset button, but back then they had a reset button on the machine console, especially that Atari 2600. You just reset that puppy. You know, pow, I ain't playing that. Oh, I'm doing terrible. Pow, let's start over from the beginning. Hey, I'm doing well. I cannot play Pac-Man. Pow! We're going to start over at the beginning. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is the reset button for the Christian. They possibly can, but we're still going to mess it up. God knows it. That's why he stuck this in there. He knew we weren't going to get it right. He knows what you're not going to get right when you walk out of this place. He ain't silly. It's all the church preaching that's been silly up to this point trying to act like you're going to be perfect. You ain't, and I ain't, I ain't either. We're going to do our best. It's like a calculus curve. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Calculus curve is ever approaching zero, but it never gets there. We're ever approaching being just right, perfect, but we ain't never going to get there. There's only one that is, that did, that did do it, and we, didn't, we couldn't stand him so much we had to get rid of him after 33 years of putting up with him. 
I'm talking about Jesus for those that don't know the story. Is this making sense? Let's go to Psalm 103 and then I'm going to hush. This is in your Bible. Your Bible or your phone or iPad or whatever it is that you use to, to connect with the Word of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His. Because what? He forgives. Not all. No, no. God ain't going to forgive what you did. You remember. You remember what you did. You remember. I don't have to tell you. Is that what it says? Anyone, it says how much of them? All of them. Not some, not a few, not the easy ones. You ain't going to have to carry it out on the big ones, man. I'm sorry. All of them. What's next? What else does he do? He does what? Heals. That means make better. For those of you that don't understand the word heal, that means make better. He makes better what? All your diseases, unless they're really, really, really big in the hospital and the doctors don't know what to do with it, then it's uh, probably not going to work. That's in the footnote of this psalm. I'm being facetious. He heals how many of our diseases? All of them. Let's go to the next scripture. He, rede he redeems your life from what? Oh, Okay. Yup. I'm really worried about tomorrow. Why? Well, well, they're talking about doing that. Well, have they done this yet thing yet? No. Okay. You've been redeemed from what? Destruction. My daddy used to always say it this way, they can't eat you. And crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. You wear a crown. Where you go of kindness and mercy. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm gonna get off. I ain't even gonna touch that one. Y'all gonna go to Walmart in a minute and cuss somebody out. Verse five, who satisfies what? Your mouth with what? Good things. And what happens when all this happens? What happens to you? Your youth is renewed like the eagles. You can feel brand new every second of your life if you want to. Because your youth is renewed just like the eagles. Brand new. Get up, church. Well, not like, like that. Oh, uh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Get up, church. Wake up, church. Quit making everything about you. Stop it. There is a dying world. Somebody went to hell. Let's see, how many people die every, every second or every minute? Three? Three people could have, may have gone to hell while we were sitting here. Are y'all with me? We have a job to do, and it ain't got nothing to do with you but to just do it. That's why we say be a doer. Do it. Do something. Get busy. Get up. Get after it. Well, I'm not good enough. Sure you are. If I am, you are. And anyway, it, it smells the same. It's kind of like rotten potatoes in the pantry. 
Y'all ever had a rotten potato in the pantry? That thing stinks to high heaven. That's what sin smells like in heaven. They're like, whoa, where's that at? Let's get rid of it. There's a world out. On, when, you, when you walk out of here, when we walk out of here, there's going to be other people that we, that we walk with every day and that we look at every single day. And we have a job to do with those folks. And that job ain't got nothing to do with us, everything, but everything to do with them. I hate to say it this way. I'm going to say it about myself. I had to tell myself this. I'm not that big a deal. I'm really not that big a deal. But that other person that's hurting, that needs some help, that needs to be connected to the power of God, that's a big deal. That's a big deal right there. And that's the way Jesus looked at it. Jesus, I bet if he was here today, he'd probably be like, y'all know what? I ain't nothing, boy. But them people out there, they all. All I can do and all I can have, I'll go get them. Watch me. That's kind, of, that's kind of the way I feel like he would talk if he were here. Amen? Now, let's all stand. Get up, church. Don't you think we might ought to do something? Don't you think you're good enough? To, are, who in here is good enough to do something for God? Who in here? Who in here? At least one of us, right? So let's do that. Father, we thank you.